0: who's first get to know mentally in the game. The first Who's
1: Hey, what's going on, Grappling fans? Take two. I don't know if you guys were there for the cold opening a uh, second ago, but we're happy to be back with you. Second live show of the day from my friend Michael Sears here. If you guys did not see the Gordon Ryan show, The King, you got to watch it, GSP. That's George Saint Pierre was the very first guest. Some cool stuff on that show. Highly recommend diving into that. But today Craig,
2: Craig first thing I want to ask you is what are your favorite dinosaurs?
1: <laughs> we have Craig Jones today. One of my favorite dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> And we need to know. First up, what's your favorite dinosaur?
0: Man, I, I don't even know I don't even know that many dinosaurs. GSP's gonna have to give me a uh, crash course when he's back in town.
1: Was his favorite a stegosaurus? Is that what I heard?
2: Second question, Craig. What's your opinion on the Illuminati?
0: Is he into the Illuminati as well? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, he would never tell us aliens. that. But <laughs> so, what are you up to these days? You guys, missed the, you guys missed the opportunity. You guys could have sh- called the uh, Gordon Show the King and I. Oh, I like that. The
1: King and I. I like that. Yeah, yeah, That's, uh, Craig, it's it's your um almost your third time basically on the show with us, or exactly the third time uh i feel a bit dumb asking but what's new i feel like not much has changed probably but surprise me maybe something's happening
0: man absolutely nothing's new i feel (laughs) like uh i'm still i'm still going about my day we're still training in secret and stuff i'm i got this vinny match coming up but to be honest it's pretty it's pretty boring there's nothing going on you talk to people there's nothing new going on it's just sort of i don't know you guys probably feel the same way Yeah,
1: the question kind of gets the same response most days, but
0: (laughs) you got (laughs) to start somewhere. What are you doing to kill
2: time over there? You you play video games? You watch movies? What do you do?
0: Nothing. You know, when I was younger, I used to have a sick addiction to video games, and it really – I wouldn't say it took over my life, but it took over my productivity. So when I saw we were going to have this quarantine thing, I really fought the urge for a couple of weeks to get in like a a gaming console and stuff because I thought it would eat all my time. But I mean, to be honest, I'm not doing anything productive anyway. (laughs) I'm just watching Netflix and stuff
1: (laughs) what were you playing when you were a kid what what was taking up all your time
0: Uh, I used to play a lot of the Grand Theft Auto games and then back in the day like Cooler Cooler Duty online like World of War Modern Warfare 2 I was really hooked for those two games until I quit quit the addiction
2: you said you're watching Netflix what are you watching these days what's some good stuff
0: what am I watching I, I mean I watched the same show the whole world did Tiger King recently of course. Uh, what else am I watching? I'm watching a lot of old 80s movies and stuff like that. Trying to like, you know, we've got a lot of spare time right now. So trying to watch a lot of shit that I wouldn't usually find the time to watch.
1: I assume you're talking about Lethal Weapon 1 through 4. Those are on Netflix. Some Lethal Prime. Weapon, yeah. Mel Gibson, <laughs> an Australian <laughs> <Yes>.
0: legend.
1: <laughs> That's right. right Mel,
0: Mel Gibson trains jujitsu too. Does he really?
2: It's in, it? in, it's in
1: Lethal Weapon, bro.
0: It's a triangle, right? Where does Mel
2: Gibson train jujitsu at? Yeah.
0: Hegan Machado? With Hegan Machado. He guessed it. But yeah, that first lethal weapon was, what, like 88? He pulls off a triangle choke and an arm bar in that final scene, which is pretty cool. Early, yeah. early yeah, yeah, Mel Gibson's in a last dude. I was
2: a huge fan of the Mad Max movies when I was a kid. Uh, so, oh, they were classic. So you watched all of the uh, the Tiger King. What do you think about that? Those people are ridiculous, huh? I
0: mean,. To be honest, I love it because I'm an Australian, so I get to watch it from an outside <laughs> perspective. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people watching that shit, and they're like, oh, that's America. That's awesome. I get to watch it and just enjoy it for what it is.
1: <laughs> I got to ask, before we move on from from the media, I, I found this Australian show on Netflix called Rake. It's about a lawyer. Have you seen that at all? It's hilarious. I just wanted I to know. I it. It. It's, it's a pretty ridiculous show, very body humor, pretty adult, but um, – I I just wondered if Australian society is depraved as that show makes it out to be. There's a lot of very high society people caught up in all kinds of nefarious activities. But you haven't seen it, so I can't I can't know for sure. But I recommend it. It's funny. I got I'll some laughs.
0: Have to, I'll have to watch it and report back. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so anyways you got a fight coming up this weekend it is this weekend right with uh, Vinny Mac- how do we say his name Mac- I
2: can't say it I used to live Magalice Ma- to- Magalice no, I can't say don't even try I used to live on a street uh, that had that when I lived in-, in Rio I lived on a street Figurito Magalice that had that in the name and I could never say it right my wife ru- ridiculed me over and over again it's impossible to say it for gringos
1: <laughs> you got a fight with Vinny though uh,
0: <laughs> tell me a little bit yep. about that
1: that must be at least something to look forward to how, how are you feeling going into that match
0: yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting. I mean, obviously, there's the dynamic at play that Vinny was, what does he throw up? He says leg locks don't work. A lot of people have been trying to leg lock him for many years. He's never tapped. I actually can't even remember the last time he was even submitted in competition. I think Koja Gracie, maybe like maybe even 15 years ago, submitted him. But there, So the challenge for me is to try and be the first guy to get him. And, I mean, if he's been competing for 15 years, I like to think maybe he's getting a little old. Maybe those injuries are taking place. You know what I mean? Maybe this will be the time he actually taps to something and doesn't let it break.
2: What do you think about that leg locks don't work thing? You think you can leg lock him?
0: I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to try. You know what I mean? I feel like he throws it out there. He wants you to go for the leg locks. But I'm trying not to let that uh, get into my head too much and just, just really go after it like it's a regular jiu-jitsu match. Because, I mean, if my ego comes into play i'll be like i gotta try and leg luck that motherfucker but (laughs) i'm pretty sure he's expecting that
1: (laughs) now now you were telling us it's a a five minute match uh and then ebi overtime it's a pretty short period to work in as far as regulation um how are you going to attack him in that in that short amount of time what's your idea there
0: yeah i mean that's pretty interesting right i mean we've gone back and forth with trail about making the match longer but uh he just, uh, he just wants to do five-minute matches. He wants all matches the same, pretty quick, short bursts, Get straight to the overtime. So, f- I mean, if I could submit him within a five-minute period, I think that would be pretty crazy. For a guy that has been submitted in that long, to get him that quick, I w- uh, that would be pretty cool for me. But I think it's going to go to overtime, and we're going to have a battle. If I had to guess, I would say he's probably going to pursue my arm in overtime based on a lot of match study. I've seen him in those rules set. He likes to go up to the arm starting position. Now,
1: going back to your earlier point of him not being submitted in competition for maybe 15 years or so, do you have to think if it does indeed go to overtime that ride time might be the criteria that decides the victor in this match? Or
0: do you think you'll, you'll pull off a sub from one of the starting points? Um, you know what? I won't let the fact that he hasn't been submitted deter me from trying to go for the submit. I mean – it's, it's bad enough watching a jiu jitsu match where two guys don't try and submit each other. And it's even worse watching an EBI overtime match where two guys don't try to submit each other. Like, it's, it's horrible to watch a guy start in the seatbelt position, lock up a body triangle, switch to double underhooks. And nowadays they have like a, a two minute ride time limit and they just try and ride that out for two and win the escape time. And what's funny is I think they actually started the two minute overtime uh, period, the cap because when I faced Wagner Hosher he held my back for maybe 15 minutes oh my god I don't even remember
1: <laughs> that I can't remember that. that's crazy <clears throat> that must have been awful
0: <laughs> it was a terrible time and Wagner's pretty pretty aggressive on the back he likes uh, hitting the nose and stuff to get you to open up
1: right on um after submission underground is there anything else on, on your horizon or are you just kind of taking what comes in
0: yeah i mean i'm just hoping for the best for the the sport i'm hoping this coronavirus thing clears up quick and these tournaments can come back and everyone can start getting into it and the pro shows will come back but it's looking like any shows that do come the professional shows will be no audience for a long time for a while yeah
1: yeah we're seeing that potentially in you know all all professional sports um I did read that the PGA at uh, golfing uh, is holding an event in June. Golf seems like the perfect sport to, to run for very limited contact and large swaths of land between people. But, um, yeah, that might be the new reality. It's going to be hard to imagine tournaments coming back as the whole point of them is there a shit ton of people hanging out. Yeah, around. tournaments is going <laughs> to be
2: the – that's the thing. It's like you can't do a tournament with, with no crowd, right, because the whole crowd is just people waiting to compete. it, it it's not like it's a. It's basketball game where there's thirty thousand people in the crowd and you get rid of them. Uh, Craig, what's it like when you travel to Submission Underground right now? What's it like flying these days?
0: You know what? I'll be honest. It feels I, when I went to the last Submission Underground, I was I was wondering if I was going to get questioned. I felt almost guilty, like that. No, I'm not uh, <laughs> traveling for a, <laughs> for essential work. But yeah, I mean, uh, the the airports are obviously obviously empty. The flight I had over there last time. Obviously, flights were real cheap. The only people on the plane were, I think, uh, air hostesses and stuff traveling back. Like some of them were obviously working on the plane, but uh, there were a lot of guys. A lot of them just traveling back to the to the base city for whatever airline it was. But yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty strange. I mean, I kind of like an empty airport, an empty airplane, but it is. It is pretty. Pretty eerie.
2: Like, what percentage of the plane is full right now? Would you say when you when you flew there?
0: Oh man, there's probably like five people on there. And Wait, a, lot yeah, of, a lot of the people flight yeah, it was completely empty. And actually, booking a flight for this one this time, I was trying to fly Newark direct to Portland, and there were no direct flights. So obviously a lot of the planes are grounded and stuff, so mm-hmm. I have to take a couple stops. Yeah, but the pl- the flights are expensive again, I'd say, because uh, all the planes are grounded. Yeah, it There's
2: makes sense. There's not too sense. many I options. Mean, they wouldn't, I wouldn't be running too many flights if it's just five people on there. That's crazy. they are got to be losing a ton of money <laughs> yeah. on that flight. But uh, what about something I wanted to tell uh, touch back with you on uh, last time you were on here you talked about the thing with Josh at ADCC
1: <laughs> we, going, we going back yes. to Josh poor Josh and then,
2: and then a lot of stuff happened on social media afterwards there was a lot of back and forth I think Gordon and Keenan were in the comments at times explain that situation what's going on there what, what's the situation with you and Hinger right now
0: I mean, t- for me personally, I'm joking around a bit, but I did, I did want to uh, bring that story up about him. Just, uh, I mean, he likes to think he was just messing with me at ADCC. I thought maybe there were ulterior motives, but uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But someone did send me the photo, so I was tempted to reshare the photo in question. Josh Hinger's uh, story on the photo was that he just <laughs> zoomed in on my face. He didn't actually crop himself out. He just zoomed in. But I didn't want to poke the bear too much because he, he was pretty angry with me about this. But that's, I guess, like the uh, Australian sense of humor. If we go we go back and forth and whoever gets angry first is sort of the loser in that, um, you know what I mean? You know, when you're shit talking with your buddies, you guys keep pushing the envelope. Whoever actually gets angry sort of loses the uh, banter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's a clear clear fixer here, but... <laughs> I think we, we, we can leave the beef aside a little bit I feel like it's kind of played out but there is a potential of a match there um man I mean that's something that I would love to see we've, we've kind of discussed that a little bit but um what rules would you want to have that fight in if if you could you know make an ideal scenario to to take on Josh is there a particular format that you'd want to do?
0: You know, I mean, to be honest, the best way to do it, and if we if it were to be run now during quarantine, obviously it's not going to come at a in a tournament where we're restricted by and it's not even we're restricted by the audience and stuff. We could just do whatever rule set we wanted. So I mean, at the end of the day, something like a sub-only match. Like I mean, if yeah, if we do a jiu-jitsu match, we should do it sub-only rather than some form of overtime, especially considering the circumstances now. I think that would be the preferred I mean, if everyone's stuck at home and we were to stream that match, no time limit is fine. You know what I mean? You're not trapped at a venue watching two guys go at it for an hour and a half or something.
1: <laughs> Nothing else better to do. But that, <laughs> well, that makes you got time wonder. to kill. <laughs> we, uh, we've had a lot of, lot of guests on here, a lot of world champions, ADCC champions, and they all almost unanimously hate the idea of no time limit. A lot of people say they prefer six-minute matches. What, what do you like about a no time limits match? What, what was appealing about that format to you?
0: I mean, no time, it can be be a problem if people's goal is to let you sort of attack them nonstop and sort of fatigue yourself and then look to win, uh, I guess, through the gas tank aspect. But really, it's the perfect rule set because the ultimate goal is to submit each other. And under no time of it, you can pursue each other with submissions until one of you succeeds, right? And I mean, it also means it eliminates the possibility of your opponent gaming the system a little bit with the clock. Trying to score points and ride it out, you know what I mean. People can be a bit more reckless. I think if it's approached the correct way, it's the better rule, better rule set.
2: But, but you're not a fan of EBI overtime submission only. But no, I EBI go back overtime. and
0: forth. I go back and forth on it. You know what I mean? I because I mean at the end of the day, EBI overtime is uh, it's very difficult because you have to concede a bad position. You have to concede someone starting on your arm, starting on your back. And I know when I was competing more in the IPJF points rule set, I mean, you wouldn't dedicate any of your training time to really those positions because the match was ultimately won or lost uh, the points that took place before that. So I guess a lot of people don't like the overtime because they're having to train areas that they wouldn't ordinarily train. But at the end of the day, if your jiu-jitsu is better than the other guy, hopefully it's better in a multitude of ways, and that shouldn't. Uh, encompass, I guess, finishing and escaping from the back and finishing and escaping from the arm.
2: Absolutely. I wanted to get into it a little bit with you because uh, you have a different uh, story than a lot of people. You are uh, obviously from Australia, which is different than the majority of high-level grapplers, seems like from USA or uh, Brazil. I want to get into about how you started training, uh, what your origin sort of is with uh, jiu-jitsu and how you started training and, and how you when you decided that you were going to go pro with it.
0: All right, so I mean it's a, it's a tricky story because when I started uh there was no jiu-jitsu going on in Australia. And I to be honest, I kind of remember. I'm pretty sure I was 15, close to 16. But out, the jiu-jitsu gym I started out was run by my cousin, and there was like maybe two or three people in there. I I'm pretty sure he was like a four-stripe white belt at the time. So it was this tiny room, and there was very little jiu-jitsu in the city, and he dragged me into it. He sort of he showed me some early UFC fights and that sort of uh enticed me to coming down and learning from him but the problem was I wasn't older, I didn't have a car I didn't have my license at the time he trained on the other side of the city so I could only get down there uh, with my older brother if he was happy to drive and stuff so I would train once a week twice a week tops and that went on for years so it went on for a very long time um, and I would have to wait till he got his next belt so like, if I were to get my blue belt I had to wait till he got his purple belt and vice versa. I had to wait till he got his brown belt for me to get my purple belt. So, again, very, very slow process. There's a lot of people in probably non American cities or people that started training in the very early days where if you're in a city and you're not a black belt and you're running a jiu jitsu gym, it takes you a very, very long time to get to black. You're sort of having to bring Brazilian guys in to run seminars, go on training trips, and still run your academy back home. So, it's a, it's a pretty messy process. But that's sort of the, uh, how I started a very, very long time ago. What was
1: the, um, the appeal to you back then? You know, training once a week, it, it could be hard for some people to stay motivated. Were you watching a lot of MMA? Like what was your connection and how did you manage to stick with it um, through those hardships?
0: I was just sort of a, a big MMA fan at the time. And the problem was my aspirations originally were for MMA, but way back at that time, MMA was still illegal in Australia. I'm trying to remember, I believe the first UFC was like 2010 and it was illegal right up until that time. So it was like, there really wasn't an avenue to compete in MMA. Obviously, there was no one with a field of expertise to be teaching people back then, especially in my city, Adelaide at the time. So it was like the MMA aspirations fizzled out because I could at least compete in jiu-jitsu. So I would compete maybe once a year, twice a year, tops, until I started getting more and more addicted. Obviously, as I got older, I got my own. Uh, car and stuff and i was able to get down there to train more but yeah mma was probably the uh the ultimate goal
2: how much uh when you started getting really serious into it how much traveling did you do uh did you do a lot of traveling like to go training in other parts of australia with high level grapplers or like as far as training goes
0: oh so back in those days i wouldn't really just travel to too many places in australia to train but about 2013 i started making international trips I would save up all my money and go on maybe a, a two-week, four-week, six-week trip with my buddies, and we'd, we'd go train. The first camp I did was at Cabrinha's back in 2013. Oh, wow. Um, after that, I would do a lot of geek camps with Atos, and that was probably right up through right up through mid-2015 what and belt around were you? that same time. What
2: belt were you when you were going was, to Atos and Cabrinha? Uh,
0: I think I was a purple belt for both. I was a, I ended up being a purple belt for close to four years because um, I was making very, very slow progress at the time. Obviously, with the uh, with the extent of my training partners and stuff, very small, small gym by international standards. Um, so I was a purple belt for both. I was a very terrible purple belt early days, so I felt like I had to make up for lost time, especially of- obviously.
2: Any of those guys uh, remember you when you like sort of hit it big after ADCC success and any of those guys like, Hey, I remember when you used to come train with us when you, when you were at purple belt, or was it nothing like that?
0: Um, pro- I think probably there was like, uh, probably Cabrinia's I was there when Isaac Dodeline was there. There was Rehan, uh, Muttalib, uh, Kennedy was there. Kennedy was very, very young at the time. When I was, when I was there, I remember him being a, a very young kid at Atos. I the first time I went to Atos, I think Dom Bell had just left the military and moved there. So me and him, the first time I went to Atos, were both similar size and just going at it in the gym.
2: Alright, so you 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 were making these trips to uh Cobrinhas and Atos, then what's next?
0: What's next? Um <clears throat> so on one of the training trips I went to Atos, I think I was I did a two week training camp at Atos and while I was there I heard <clears throat> about 80 cc trials uh that were in south korea and that was in i can't even remember 2014 2015 so while i was at atos i only heard about it and it was like obviously it wasn't very advertised like the whole website was in korean so we we're trying to figure out <laughs> what exactly was going on so i i called my parents up back home because i was dead broke obviously i was already on an international trip and i told them to sell my car so they, they sold my car, they thought I was crazy at the time, and I probably was, but they sold my car, gave me the money, and I literally flew back from California, stayed back in Adelaide for a night, and then flew to Korea to compete in the ADCC trials. Oh, that is brutal. And the, and the funny That's thing, thing is, trip. when I was at Atos, oh. we, ju- we just did gi training. So for my first ever ADCC trials, I just uh, trained in the gi for it.
1: Why did you feel so confident? Like what, what made you think this is the time I gotta go for it, if you were so in on the gi at that time?
0: I honestly have no idea i just remember thinking like it's it's the asian jobs like how how hard can it be <laughs> and back then it probably wasn't as hard but i was lucky i was pretty lucky to win that there were some tough guys in the division
2: uh so you flew from california to australia australia to korea and how much how much time
0: it was just a day i just stayed home for a night and then caught the next plane the next morning I think it was, a, it was short, a lot of flying.
1: It's not a short flight from Australia <laughs> to Korea because uh, Levi did that, Levi Jones Leary. It, it was just as jet-lagged as me when I got to Korea. And so. Then,
2: yeah, so uh, yeah. how long is it from <clears throat> Australia to Korea? How long is that flight, first off?
0: I think it's pretty similar to Australia to the U.S. It would have to be at least 16 hours. So you just flew basically all the way time. around the world. Two 16-hour yeah, flights. Just- Just gave it a crack. Actually, you know what you want to know? If we're talking about bad flight experiences, and and I shouldn't complain about this because it was a free flight, but I remember I qualified for that ADCC. So the guys uh, flew me to ADCC in Brazil for 2015, right? And Australia, obviously, I could fly. I could just head east and just fly to South America, right? But because we had to fly via an Arab airline, I had to go from Adelaide or from Melbourne to Dubai. It was 16 hours. Thirty-minute oh, layover no. and then sixteen hours to Sao Paulo. <laughs> That's can't... the worst travel oh, trip of my life. Man. I like that for days.
2: Thirty-minute layover.
0: Thirty-minute. Yeah, I got off the plane, ran <laughs> to the next one.
1: Thirty-two oh, hours of that, flight, is tough. <laughs> that is tough.
0: The worst, and I could have, I could have got there in seventeen hours on a different airline, but I, geez, I gotta say, part of, the, uh, part of the fun.
1: I did a seventeen-hour flight home from Abu Dhabi to <clears throat> LAX one time, and. I had never been on a plane that long, just 17 hours straight. And you start going a little kooky around hour 13, 14, if you don't get some sleep, oh, you, that's tough.
0: You, you, need a, you need to bring the uh, sleeping supplements on the plane. I do. Some, uh, some Xanax will teleport you to the other end.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. So, uh, back to your ADCC trials. So you flew uh, like 30-something hours of flights, basically. You stopped home for a nap, Finished finished the trip. Uh, to go to the trials. Uh, how long were you in Korea before the tournament happened? Did you have a couple of days there before it happened, or did you compete like the next day?
0: Yeah, just a couple of days. But I mean, it was what was crazy about the South Korean trials is we really knew nothing. Like we had no one. They, it was very like the ADCC trials. I mean, they're not like that anymore. Well, I, I don't think so. But like they used to be very very disorganized. So we were trying to figure out what was going on. Like I remember we were trying to figure out the weigh Right. So. There was no one really to contact lachlan giles was over there as well and they told us initially the wayans would be the morning of the event at a different location the location was like 90 minutes away so i was getting set up on the morning yeah it was it was very far (laughs) from the venue so then (laughs) lachlan giles sends me a message that morning he's like i've contacted the organizer they've canceled the wayans at the secondary venue and they're going to just be at the venue we compete at so, like, I would have been lost in Korea somewhere. I would have missed the whole event. Oh, man. But lucky I uh, saved the day.
2: Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Why do them somewhere 90 minutes? <laughs> I hey, guys, know. I have an idea. Let's just bring the
1: scale of the event. I don't know. <laughs> did you it have was strange. A, it was
0: like the hotel or something. I don't know.
1: Did you have any, like, ADCC heroes? I mean, the event must have meant something to you uh, before you went to, to go through these sacrifices, sell your car, make the journey. You know, uh, what stood out to you about ADCC at that time?
0: It was, it was probably Braulio. I used to watch Braulio and Andre Gavel. That Was it 2009 and 2011? Their runs through weight and absolute. And just seeing the spectacle of it. And probably what attracted me to it was uh, Stuart Cooper's Highlight Reel.
1: Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. That very first one he made. I don't know. It was just something special about ADCC. Like I'd already competed in a few. Like the Gi Worlds and stuff. And obviously they're very special. But uh, I don't know. I was drawn to ADCC for some other reason.
2: All right, so your tournament there in, in Korea how many do you remember how many matches you had was it a big bracket or
0: yeah it was four matches and I ended up getting four submissions what it is was the- uh and actually they, it was I actually decided I hadn't trained with lock and Giles at that stage but I knew he was one of the best guys in Australia and at the time I was uh I would have been 79 kilograms so I could have made 77 but I found out he was in it at 77 so I was like Fuck it, I'll do 88. I'll try and dodge this guy. Surely he's the best guy, probably in the, the event. So I jumped in with 88 with the big guys, too.
2: What is the makeup like at uh, Asian trials? Because obviously we know about North North Americans, like all USA people, South American ones, all Brazilian people. What's it like at uh, at the
0: Asian trials? I,
2: I, Australians been having a lot of success there, but are there a lot of Australians that do it?
0: Back in 2014, there was probably only, there's probably under five or six Australians that actually even competed way back then it was it was mostly obviously it was a lot of koreans because it was in korea but the jap there was a lot of japanese and kyrgyzstan kazakhstan have a pretty have both have pretty big grappling teams
2: makes sense yeah absolutely so you qualify you go there you submit everybody in south korea what are you thinking then you're like oh shit i just i mean a couple of days earlier you were in uh, <laughs> in california training the gi now you're qualified for adcc what's going through your head then
0: um, I remember thinking as soon as that event ended, this was the the time because one of the guys at the event, I ended up beating him, but he was he was using heel hooks to beat a lot of the guys at the event. A Kyrgyzstan guy, I won't try to pronounce his name because I'll will butcher it. But um, obviously, this guy was uh, doing a lot of heel hooks, and I think it was uh, was it two thousand and eleven. Which year was it? Pauhara killed everyone. That was eleven. T- two thousand eleven. So that was uh. That was fresh in my mind, right? So I remember I won the trials and I was thinking I better learn something about heel hooks because the 88 kilo division is likely what Pal Harris is going to be in. So that was that was all that was going through my mind. That started uh, the heel hook craze for me, trying to figure it all out.
1: What were those early days experimenting with heel hooks like? Um- you know, it's always a little little strange to learn a new technique. But there's a lot of mystique behind the heel hook, like especially at that time. Was it a little bit nerve wracking to start experimenting with that, or did you find sort of instant success?
0: Oh uh, no, we I mean we really had no idea what we were doing. We what we tried to learn initially were some different sort of leg attacks. I remember me and Lachlan were trying to watch, Hoffa Mendez used to use a technique called the bear trap. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember that one. It's kind of like a a shallow saddle entry or like cross archie entry. So it's we're, like I mean, we're back. just watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're just watching how Huffer was using that to sweep, and we're seeing how that could maybe enter into leg entanglements and stuff. But I mean, me and Lachlan had no idea, really, what we were doing back then. We we're just watching YouTube videos trying to figure it out.
2: Incredible! Now you guys are two of the best leg lockers <laughs> out there back then. Any yeah. Time?
0: Just watch YouTube. <laughs> a
2: couple of you guys watching YouTube. Yeah, Lachlan, it's interesting because Lachlan, uh, the half a part, because Lachlan told us when he was on the show too that he studied the meows a lot to figure out his leg lock entries, which is pretty interesting.
0: Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was probably later on, like super early days. We were watching that bear trap. We are trying to figure that out. And then Lachlan started watching how the meows were entering 50-50 and started progressing in that direction.
1: Very cool. We all kind of know what happens next, of course. You have uh, – an insane ADCC. No, this is talking about 2015. Uh,
2: 2015, uh, sorry,
1: sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I insanely quick.
0: I skipped that part of the story for you. So, but... uh,
2: who did you have in 2015? I
0: can't remember. Uh, I had Homolo Baho because oh, <laughs> he, t- t- he was t- the, t- reigning, r- yeah. the reigning champion. <laughs> and um, I was the 16th seed. Uh, <laughs> I remember when I introduced myself to Homolo before the match, he was sort of laughing. Because he was looking at how tiny I was.
1: Oh, man. He was division. so jacked too at that event. <laughs> yeah,
2: dude. Yeah, Hamilo was ripped. Uh, so we were going to pull up uh, some old matches of yours. We have a couple Kasai matches. I put up some submissions. You can just play them and, I don't know, bullshit about them, talk about them. This is you with yeah. Tex. Uh, oh, you, right. When you went with Tex, talk about this match a little bit.
0: This was the, uh, the one in Florida, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. If uh, Kyle Kyle go ahead and see that up for us. <laughs> there we
0: go. Actually, you know what's funny with this one? Before the match, this was Tech's comeback match after uh destroying Philippe Pena's knee. Like uh and there was a lot of it was contentious how long he held on to the uh the heel hook for, it, right? And I remember I asked well I didn't even know if I asked, but Tex definitely brought it up to me. And he was like, Craig, he's like, I don't let go of submissions when you tap. I let go of submissions when the ref bowls me off. And I was like, <laughs> I yeah. hope that's not the case. <laughs> he told you that Yeah, just before the match. It's a very intense moment, hey. It's <laughs> quite, quite a thing to say to somebody. I I like uh, He was saying he was saying that, I was like, maybe I'm not getting paid enough for this, you know? <laughs>
1: you ever turn to you ever to a guy before a match and go, Hey, you got health insurance? Yeah. That that's a good one. Yeah. I like this.
2: Yeah. All right. So, so right before you get hilarious. All right, so this is, this is a moments after uh, Tex told you he's going to maim you if, you if the referee doesn't pull, pull him off in time. What are you thinking going into this match?
0: Um, I mean, I had, I had heel hooked Tex previously, but after seeing what he did to Panther and stuff, I was like, obviously, he's going to be uh, much more advanced in that area. But uh, the, for me, the game plan was Tex likes to play a lot of shin-on-shin sit-up guard, and I was thinking, like, rather than fight for inside position, I'm just going to dive over for the Kimura. Uh so, sorry. I was I was going to dive over for the Kimura. and that's how it ended up playing out. I think I missed the first one, but I was able to secure the second. But yeah, bro, I mean, I don't really have too specific a game plan, just something general like that.
2: Were you worried about his leg locks at all after seeing him uh hit that nasty one on Felipe Pena?
0: Um, probably not worried about his entries so much as if he did get to it that I would probably be having a, having a limp for a while. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, did I just you... think Tex... To be honest, like, I mean, Tex probably doesn't want me to talk about it. But obviously, Tex had some uh, some personal issues going on at the time. So I was in my head, I was thinking like, this probably isn't going to be the same Tex that was we, that faced Philippe Penner. But I was still uh, still expecting a very tough match.
2: So why do you wear a rash guard that says "fuck
0: Craig Jones" on it? Oh <laughs> uh, man, I, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even know. I'm trying to remember back uh, where it started was back in Melbourne. Uh, we stole this thing from Atos where you guys know they do the first point super fights and we have to do it in front of the whole class yeah yeah they'll do scorer. like uh, yeah they'll bring two people out whoever scores first wins and it feels like a lot of pressure because um, because everyone's watching right and I we used to do it at uh, Absolute and there was this guy Aaron Peterson that um, I remember me and him used to go at it right and uh, I remember one night he got super drunk with the guys and he started uh, talking shit about me when I wasn't there and they they filmed it, and at the end of it, he was like, "Next time, first point, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat Craig. Fuck Craig Jones." And then he just started he started hashtagging it and building it building it from there. And then my uh, my lovely sponsors were like, "That'd be a great idea if we put that in a rash guard." And I was like, "Yeah, I'll wear it."
1: And here we are, <laughs> unmistakable branding, but. it's it's caught on it's it's definitely caught on so here you are in an interesting position are you thinking about that diving uh kimura right now just kind of waiting for that that moment to open up
0: yeah for sure because you see how he comes up he's leaving uh leaving an opening with the right arm so as he's trying to sit up he might post that on the ground and that's Mm going to leave a bit of a a bit of a vulnerability to it and i think the first time i hit the kimura i tried a reverse triangle and uh he was able to slip out so this time i just went straight to to secure in the back position there And, uh, yeah, just a brief hand fire before, before getting under the chin. But, yeah, sex. I sort of knew. Ex- he's like a huge man. I mean, man. yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty damn strong, strong to be honest. But, I mean, some, it's, what's interesting is sometimes you see a guy like that and he, like, looks strong. So sometimes when you go into a match and you see someone that looks that strong, you sort of, like, you're expecting them to be stronger than what they initially feel. The only guy that wasn't like that was Pau who, even though he looked strong, Felt probably ten times stronger than that.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he, he's a ball of muscle. <clears throat> that guy.
2: Yeah, jeez, Paul Harris. I can That's another guy. You're, you're always fighting these guys. I mean, Paul Harris doesn't got to tell you, but he's not gonna he's not gonna let like, go until the ref takes him <laughs> off either.
1: He has his resume to for itself.
0: I think on that one. Wait, but, um, what
2: were you thinking going into a Paul Harris match?
0: He's uh, a he's actually a funny story um, with uh, <laughs> with holes for the. Uh, joles for the promotion for that one right so uh i signed the match and i remember early days that was the guy i was most terrified that's why i got into heel hooks to avoid getting uh potentially facing him in adcc and getting broken by him right so like when joles offered me the match i hesitated for probably five minutes and i was like i can't live with myself if i say no to this i better do it so then we get all the build-up out and then <clears throat> maybe three weeks before like we had agreed upon a weight division 190 pounds which isn't that crazy because he fought he at the time was fought. he'd just made 170 pounds in mma and then a photo popped up on the internet and circulated the internet and he yeah. looked absolutely enormous and i messaged Holles and i was like i was like bro this, he knows there's a weight division right and holez is like He's 220 pounds and then weights him. I was like, what? And then Hollis is like, just kidding, just kidding. I spoke to him. He'll make weight. And then he (laughs) shows up. (laughs) (laughs) And then three, four days before, Hollis is like, all right, man, he's not going to make 190. We're going to have to bump it up. We'll do do 200 pounds. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And I was still thinking in my head, I'm like, he looks way bigger than that. (laughs) So then I show up. For the Kasai event and he's like, Yeah, he's not gonna make two hundred and I was like, All right, let's let's just do it. I didn't even want to be pushy, I was like, nah, there's too much build up with the fans. I better I better just I better just take it, right? So then we, he shows up and weighs two hundred and twenty pounds <laughs> the day before. And I was what? like, That's thirty pounds above <laughs> What were you Nowhere
1: even about? close.
0: <laughs> Nowhere even close. I still would love to have a match against Pajarez again. I would love to. I feel like I let everyone down. That was my big moment. If I had been able to submit him, but um, obviously it didn't play out that way.
1: We didn't pick that one to rewatch. Yeah, that one's not on the list today. But I'll give a little inside (laughs) info too about that photo. So you know, we're we're in the promotion business here at Flow, and we have a big event. We we try and build some hype around it. The event was going well. We felt pretty confident, but. We weren't we weren't totally solved. Like, man, we need like a little bit of spark or something. And then that photo was released. We're like, oh yeah. shit! And it just took
2: off. Like everybody it, was excited to see this guy break. Craig's just leg. one photo.
1: Like <laughs> all of our all of our hype videos, like highlight videos, amounted to nothing in the face of Paul Harris just being jacked as hell. Like that. That's all we needed. So it's funny what it does something for an event like that. Yeah, like, it's really...
2: like I, when I watch the, uh, the Fire uh, Festival documentary and they mm-hmm. talk about how one. One tweet about a uh, grilled cheese sandwich brought down the whole thing. That
1: that, that one photo of a jackpot <laughs> Harris made that match, huh? Pretty much, yeah. Definitely sold the event. <laughs> what would you do differently that's a, that's if you took him guy. on again? I mean, he seems pretty committed to a game plan. Would you Would you open up, try something else, or? What uh, would happen
0: I would night? just I would just go full Gary tone and I would sacri- sacrifice myself for the fans. What? Yeah, that, that was a badass <laughs> I, match. Man. I that's just, one
1: of the, that's a legendary match from Gary and Paul Harris. Just sacrifice yourself I mean, yeah, for the guys, fans.
0: Guys, Oh yeah, I would I would pursue him aggressively, and if it ended up with me having a broken leg, then at least I could uh, sleep comfortably with that.
1: <laughs> That's an optimistic view of a broken leg, but
0: <laughs> <Fair> enough,
1: <laughs> we'll uh, make sure that, to throw it in the, the, the hat there for potential matches to rebook if we ever get some events going.
2: So uh, another match, I put another kasai match, and it's a it's a move that you uh, are really good at, the Kyotera footlock. The Daily Heave of Oh, footluck. right, yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, Jackson. I believe you hit uh, Kyle Terra in this one. Uh, if you want to cue that up, Kyle. So, what do you think he goes oh, into this this was match?
0: actually a bit of a, a strange finish, this one, actually. This was like. Uh, I thought it was like a hit. I don't
1: up. know if he. Well, I can't like, remember. it was. Boogie. We,
0: you I got went a boogie daily, with footluck, a daily Heave Footlock.
1: Daily Heave Thought footluck, he yeah. tapped.
0: Yeah, boogie, I hit Boogie with that one, but I hit Jackson Souza with it, I thought he tapped. And then he said he didn't, so then I switched to a. Just a, a regular ankle lock, mm-hmm. oh, but this is okay. the bronze medal bronze medal match, and I think it was because Philippe Penner was injured, they put Jackson in.
2: Did Jackson threaten to hurt you before this match?
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> Jackson seems <laughs> he seems like a much nicer guy. <laughs> nah, yeah, I don't know. I never chill. take things never take things too seriously. Maybe uh, around the weigh-ins or the or the match day, because I know nerves get the better of people when they say things they don't mean. People say crazy shit around the match. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You guys would have it the most. You guys interview people and you're like, what's going on with this guy?
1: (laughs) There are some people (laughs) I stay the hell away from, man. Like Until that match has happened and I have to get the result, a lot of people I don't approach beforehand because they're just in their own world.
2: But most of them, when we do the interviews, they don't... uh... They'll say crazy shit to me, just stand there talking to me. i will be like, "Hey, can we, can we do an interview out of the match?" And then I, I put the camera on them, and they turn into a politician. And then they got they got nothing. They got nothing exciting to say. Then
0: you got to secretly record it. That's the <laughs> one doing. yeah.
2: Yeah, they will really love us then. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. We got the fuck Craig Jones Rash guard going.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, for Jackson Souza, I was. Uh, what's what's tricky with the kasai rules is it's only six minutes. It's very. Very quick, that flies by. So I was worried about Jackson Sousa scoring the first two and being able to ride it out. And uh, even though I was worried about it, he still did score the first, the first two.
2: Yeah, he's very conservative. So yeah, if he gets that first two, that that could be something to worry about in a short match like that for sure.
0: Yeah. But yeah, Jackson's obviously a guy I've been watching a long time. I remember him and Keenan had some crazy rivalry back in the day, right? It was a lot of yeah. Uh,
2: he's had some good matches intense with matches. Keenan. He had a close match with Andre Galvao. I think he, he did. Picked, he medal at ADCC one time, I believe. I think he might
0: have. I think yeah, he, he beat uh, Lovato for bronze, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: That's right.
0: So there so he you scores guys saw his, a, t- a terrible guard pull. That <laughs>
2: yeah, scores off the guard pull <laughs> on you.
0: Um, he Jackson came close to winning Noki Worlds last time, right? Him and, or did he win? Him and Tim Spriggs went at it.
1: No, Spriggs, he, he Spriggs he, beat him.
0: Uh, Spriggs beat him.
2: I, I want to say yeah. last Noki Worlds he closed out with Wardzinski.
1: I could be thinking of 2018. I
2: think in this last nogi Worlds, he closed out with Wardzinski, I believe.
1: You're right.
0: You're yeah, right. Ward- maybe Wardzinski I'm imagining. He didn't it. take the gold, dub
2: No, yeah, no, yeah. He, uh, he, yeah. He won nogi worlds. Him,
1: him and Wardzinski met in the final.
0: All oh, right, I must be thinking of their previous previous year.
1: Yeah, 2018, he fought Spriggs and took second that year.
0: Right, right, all right. Yeah, obviously Jackson Caesar scored the uh, scored the two. So, although he is looking busy here. He doesn't legitimately make any strong attempts to pass, if you know what I mean. Very good at uh, playing the game. But yeah, here we go. Uh, I'm pretty sure earlier in this event, Jackson had a match and lost to um, Tex Johnson.
1: Correct. Oh, this is where he had the tape issue on his toe, right? And we had to stop for a while. I remember watching this and being like, oh my god, we had to stop several times, I think, dealing with this, this tape. It reminds me of yeah. Joe Rogan versus the ice
0: bucket. He's got he's got a, vi- a a vicious hangnail down there. We better we better stop the match, take care yeah. of it.
2: No, but he, he had been what did Tex heel hook him or did Tex ankle lock him? I think Tex ankle locked him, I was to say. Maybe ankle lock, yeah. Let me look it up. I'll look it up. Go to go to BJJ Heroes real quick.
1: Is this when Edwin fought Dante that that night? I think it must be well, that's right. That's
0: right, yeah. Edwin coming back from knee injury, right?
1: Yeah, as his first big match back. I don't know if he had anything else beforehand. Dante's a tough one to take on the on the head on the first time. <laughs> so
2: this Kasai, oh, uh, Tex heel hooked him.
1: It was inside, a heel hook, right?
2: In, inside heel hook, according to BJ Heroes. And then he lost to 3 three zero. He beat Valdier Orojo five to one. Baby monster. Baby 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 monster. Baby Ryan, monster.
0: That's a sweet pound for nickname. pound, most terrifying looking man. In <laughs> <laughs> pretty, he does
1: look like the predator a little bit. I feel like. <laughs> let me
2: let me let me click on this and see about. Did you fight Baby Monster at this one?
0: No, no. Who did I? I, I, I got choked by, uh, Mm-hmm. I
2: drew
0: with. Was this one? I think I drew with Pedro Mourinho. Pedro Mourinho.
2: Something? It looks like you choked John Blank.
0: Okay, that's right, yeah. It was a tough a tough night for me. What I think I've got bronze both times in the Kasai tournament. I was gonna say Kasai I'm hasn't cursed. gone your
1: way. You've had you've had some tough matches there. that, that was it a super fight with Marillo? That was a weird match there as well? Was that a super fight?
0: Uh oh, yeah. I'm just yeah. retarded with that one. Hey, I just fucking messed up the uh the scoring system. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean but
0: that's I thought I won. That happens sometimes.
1: You
2: went you went to the uh, decision thinking that you won against Marillo?
0: yeah because you know what it is like uh i was it was my fault too even though at the time i was probably tell, saying it wasn't it was um they, they it was listed as sort of average points with all submissions legal right but mm. the problem is if you get uh what is it? if you get it was two penalties gave your opponent two points not two penalties gave your opponent and uh gave you a negative if you know what i mean yeah
2: right? yeah, yeah yeah for yeah. sure different penalties
0: so so I ate the second negative, and I was just trying to be a dick because I, th- I thought Marilla was stalling earlier in the match. So I at the end of the match, I was just being a dick and sort of over-the-top stalling. And when he got the negative, it gave him two points and even the score, and he won by an advantage, I think.
1: Can you go back, like, 30 seconds, Kyle? Yeah, there's that nice submission there, plus the weird moment earlier.
0: Yeah, so it was strange, right? So I hit the Delaheva footlock, and I thought I felt a tap. But you I think stopped. it was just him framing up against my butt, so we stopped. And then we re-hit it and I turn into a regular, a regular style ankle lock. But actually in terms of strategizing for an opponent, uh, Jackson Souza, if I look at his record, he has been submitted with straight ankle locks before. Uh-huh. So um, Tex Johnson, I've seen him be submitted by Tex Johnson, maybe someone else too. So typically I wouldn't go for the Achilles lock or the straight ankle lock because quite often guys will just eat it and it's a very fatiguing submission for you to implement. So it's one of those things. If I've seen someone submit to it in the past, I'll go for it. But generally speaking, I'll try to avoid it.
2: Yeah, I remember uh, Tex got him with one pretty quick at Nogi Pants. So let me let me go through here and see who else. You got him with the ankle lock. Yeah, that, that, that Tex one was pretty quick. And yeah, it looks like his feet in general. He's got some heel hook losses, some toe holds. There's one in here on BJ Hero that says that he – Lost by a toe hook, so I don't know what don't the know hell what is toe it. hook. Toe <laughs> hook. <laughs> yeah. That sounds brutal. <laughs> That's a <third> hook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the ultimate, ultimate, uh, yeah, dishonor. If you lose by a toe hook. So uh, the next
2: <laughs> one I had, this one was against somebody that I was really looking out for. Going in, people were underestimating him. I think he's a tough guy, Mason Fowler, going into ADCC. What did you know about Mason going into oh.
0: this one? Um, to be honest. I watched his matches from the trials, and I was pretty impressed with his uh, performance. I think he ended up doing under ninety nine of the trials, and they That's moved right. him down to uh yeah. to eighty eight. Uh huh. That's right. He Cut down. But to 88. um, he had some pretty cool submissions. Like I'm pretty sure he won the final with like a uh, Plata where he went around the guy's neck with both hands and choked him from there. Mm-hmm. So I thought he had a very good like he had some rubber guard stuff. But I figured I'd be able to get to his legs much quicker. Then ultimately, I was able to submit him. He was a very, very tough match. And I don't want to accuse anyone of uh, something they didn't do, but he was probably the slipperiest guy I've ever rode against. I couldn't keep a grip. I couldn't take anything on him throughout the entire match.
2: Slippery guy. All right. Uh, yeah, he's a strong wrestler. I, I
0: Got an MMA base
2: yeah, as he's well. Got M- I want to say he's got an MMA background. He's uh He's good, Nogi. I remember him, first, first heard about him when he was like a purple about winning the absolute at Nogi Worlds. He's, uh, he's pretty solid.
0: Yeah, yeah. I knew he would have a good wrestling background uh, even just from having those MMA fights earlier. I remember, actually, was it the recent Nogi Worlds? The uh, fight sports guy was an an Ebar Mason.
1: That's right. Uh, what's his name? Um, Ro- was it Roosevelt? Roosevelt did. Dude, Roosevelt, Roosevelt yeah. yeah. And I was yeah. watching
0: that and I was like, oh my God, I couldn't get to his legs at all. Roosevelt hit it immediately.
1: <laughs> yeah that was, a, that was a savage finish for sure right there he's coming up
0: on you yes see some resting I, I was attacking the neck the whole time i was trying to do a uh a high wrist variation of the guillotine yeah i usually have a a bit more success with that in the training room and then i was trying to turn it to take his back but he, he was pretty pretty evasive pretty uh pretty well aware
2: when it comes to guillotines do you like uh i see you working the the arm end but do you like arm end or do you like like uh Marcelo, team, like high elbow style, which one would you prefer?
0: Um, I try to do a lot of uh, – there's something Dana teaches, the high wrist variation. So it would be like high elbow, high wrist, or uh, obviously um, the arm in. What I find difficult for me with Marcelo style of the high elbow is I'll lock it up and my opponent just like alligator rolls out of there. And I find it difficult to control the lower half of their body.
2: When you're talking about so
0: high wrist, per- is that uh, arm in or no with the high wrist? The high wrist, uh, the high wrist would be with the uh, with the arm in.
2: Okay,
0: all right. So you, you'd almost connect to your own elbow underneath, or you could just connect to the far lap, or you could even keep the same armpit grip, but it just gives you a bit more control in the upper body. That's not to say it's a better technique. It's just with, uh, I mean, Marcelo would hit it on everyone, but he had an incredible ability. To catch the neck and control the body at the same time
2: have you always been a big guillotine guy or did you start training that more when once you started training in new york
0: probably probably more once i started training in new york i was always hesitant to go for the guillotine because obviously if it's out of a wrestling exchange if i miss it i'm conceding bottom position if it's um if i go for it from top i could potentially lose top position and concede to the bottom so i am cautious about it but i do like to threaten it to keep uh to keep guys guessing what's actually funny with this match and I feel bad for Mason is I'm pretty sure he should have scored two points later on in the match
2: but they didn't give it to him guillotine's a thing like there's guys who are high level guys where it's like the guillotine is like the only move that they have like the guillotine is such a underrated tool I think that a a lot of people don't utilize you can just finish people at any time with that thing
0: yeah true and I guess like if you are using it at ADCC if you lock up uh, the guillotine and they do take you down. They don't get points until they clear the guillotine. So as long as there's a submission threat.
1: Yeah, fighting someone with really good headlock control is just a giant pain in the ass too. Like if they if they get a control point they're really comfortable with, you're in for a, a long day because it's hard to get out of that.
2: Well, here you are getting on the legs.
0: Yeah, he did a good job. He, he did a good job keeping my knee inside the – threatening the back take. We had a crazy scramble. We're both so tired from this. And um actually Mason had a crazy match with uh Baby Monster previously. Mason just has wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just gives it to him. He, he's a he's a tough guy. And I remember I remember hearing Coyote the whole time. Just throughout this entire match, just hearing Kai Terra talking the whole time. Yeah. What
2: kind of stuff is Kyle saying?
0: Just coaching Mason the whole time. Um my, the dream would have been to hit Mason with the Kai luck lock in front of Kai oh. So
2: <laughs> So what's the decision to go shirtless here instead of uh, fuck Craig Jones' rash guard?
0: Um, I think just to be a bit uh, more slippery during the wrestling exchanges because my biggest fear was uh, being forced into overtime. And at this time, actually, during the ADCC camp, I tweaked my knee a little bit so I didn't do enough wrestling training. I remember uh, I did it I did it myself completely all of the times I picked up a single leg on me brought it to the outside and I tried to turn and run out and just put a lot of pressure on the inside of my knee so I wasn't too comfortable doing a lot of shots for this prep so yeah being shirtless keeping me a bit slipperier in the wrestling exchanges
2: have you ever considered a baggy t-shirt for an ADCC <laughs> uh, uh,
0: the baggy t-shirt yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean I like to train I do like to train with a t-shirt from time to time because it makes it uh, makes it tougher for you to escape positions makes it a bit more friction so if i can escape with a t-shirt i can definitely escape without one guy in our training room that you cannot you can never convince to wear a t-shirt it's hard enough to convince him to get him to wear a rash guard during training is nicky rudd yeah that doesn't surprise me
1: <laughs> he, he,
2: he came on our and, show and did and his,
0: he did his he did our show shirtless <laughs> he did his show list
2: <laughs> yeah he came, he came on a show shirtless and we we're like do you ever wear uh, shirts he said only if people pay me <laughs>
0: In the uh, in the training room, if he ever gets armbarred or he can't escape back, he's like it's it's this damn rash guard. <laughs> 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 oh,
2: man, All right. So what are you thinking now here in this match? You got on top of Mason, which is probably where you want to be because he's uh, obviously a wrestling MMA background.
0: Yeah, but the problem is now we've hit points. Period. So I'm trying to keep my body weight on top of him here. I'd probably say, I definitely look back at some of these matches, even recently, like this isn't even that long ago, and I see a lot of like technical errors, like inability to pin Mason from here. Mason Ables is able to weasel himself out and get back to his feet.
2: Do you feel like you're, still, like you're improving pretty rapidly then, because this was just a few months ago?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, especially uh, having actually just made the permanent move to New York, just the progress, training with, like, obviously under John and all the technical guys there, training with Gordon every day and stuff, definitely a lot of improvements.
2: You got any interesting John stories? Because GSP was on here earlier. And he said that one time John told him if he didn't go talk to a girl, he could not train with him anymore. Did he, he do anything like that to you?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of some John stories. He's just a, he's just a man of mystery. You know what I mean?
1: Have Very you been gifted hard. a knife
0: yet? No, I'm not hey, stabbing waiting. instruments? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for my moment because as soon as he gives it to me, I'm going to be like, that's not a knife. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Actually, that's a that's a funny John story. When I first started training there, uh, he would all, he was saying that to me all the time. I reckon on a daily basis for a good period of time, he'd be like, "That's not a knife," and he'd have a knife usually <laughs> at the end of training. So when I when I left, I actually bought him the replica the replica Crocodile Dundee Bowie knife. Wonderful.
2: <laughs> so here you are going for that. Oh, uh, yes,
0: yeah, he should have got he should get points here. I'm pretty yeah. sure we have this wrestling exchange. when he clears it. Well, maybe I should have got points. Nah <laughs> at some point during this uh, one of these scrambles here, we have a long scramble where I end up on bottom. But but luckily for me, he didn't get the points, and that meant he had to take a shot near the end of the first uh, period. Gave me yeah. the uh, the neck. But yeah, Mason's a tough guy. I will definitely be uh, expecting a very tough match out of him at the next ADCC, and I really I really like Mason because uh, here we go. Is this where he should have two? It might be because your not shoulders aren't yet. touching
1: the mat. Yeah, I think he's got to put your back
2: on the yeah. mat or something, right? There's, think Yeah, sees- you guys
0: will see it. There is a point he gets my shoulders to the mat. Okay. But actually, the best, the best story about Mason is I gave him, uh, obviously, I gave him a bit of a, a pink eye condition after this match, right? That's right. And, um, oh, here we go. I think this might be where he scores the two. Maybe not yet. Oh my God! I'm getting tired see, this is watching. just a crazy yeah. scramble the <laughs> yeah, entire time. Is. Here, maybe no. Nope. Yeah, you yeah, have two there, right? That should be two, I believe. I'm it seems like sure.
2: it, it seems like it started as a uh, a takedown. I mean, it was a wild scramble, but I would call that two.
0: This is this is going to turn into a, a social media campaign. Justice for Mason.
2: You see, this <laughs> is why they say "fuck Craig Jones,"
0: man. You're cheating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um basin mason i gave him pink eye right and i messaged him afterwards once he started showing symptoms i was like bro i'm so sorry i was like if this was any other event but adcc i wouldn't have done it to you guys and he's like bro are you kidding me he's like i would have done the same thing he's like (laughs) (laughs) i don't care (laughs) yeah
2: that was uh that was an interesting aspect of it was uh being in the hotel with all the athletes, and it was like it was sort of like nowadays, where like you don't know who's got COVID. Yeah, yeah, there, it, it feels I, very similar. I've been, you, I've been you're here in before. in the hotel with
1: everybody,
0: and it's
2: like uh, I don't. I, I remember I was I, trying. I was, I was trying. trying to, I was trying not to shake people's hands at, at the Hilton that weekend because I, uh, I was you, trying to
0: hide from you guys. I was like, <laughs> I don't want you guys to see me with pink eye and then put a story up, and I get kicked. Oh.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that was the precursor to COVID because I remember being at the Hilton and thinking like I would see an athlete and I would try not to shake their hand. I would like fist bump them or something because I didn't want to get pink eye from them.
0: See, we, we were, were ready. We were ready for COVID.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. We've been training for this. One pandemic down. Since September. Uh, all right. So right here, it's 0 So he's you're thinking he, if Overtime. he's up two zero, 0 he doesn't have to shoot.
0: Yeah, I remember thinking, um, if I get this guy's neck again, I'm not going for the high risk. I'm just going to grab it any way I can. And I knew he was going to shoot. I knew he was going to take one, at least one or two more shots before uh, before the overtime.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you were down so we're points right here. Honestly,
0: I'm ex- I was so exhausted in this match. I was like, holy shit, fucking Mason's got a gas tank on him.
2: Yeah, if you were down points right here, this would be a, a really tough position because you'd have to be trying to take down Mason right now.
0: Yep, yep. Right here. So here it is. Picks up the single, and I was able to secure it to mount and turn it around to a close guard. So obviously it's going to be much more difficult for him. But, I mean, potentially his neck could have popped out there.
2: Yeah, classic ADCC finish it, leaning up on the television. Yeah. I, love, I love that aspect of adcc finish guys finishing submissions on the concrete and stuff it's savage
1: i love it too but you gotta feel a little bad for the guys too that like can't move you're just like stuck against the wall or something <laughs> you're like all right
0: this is uh, where it ends yeah. <laughs> for sure for sure i, I do what do you guys think about um the adcc or potentially any sort of grappling organization implementing a some form of a push-out role i'm all oh, for it
2: i love it yeah, yeah dude i'm a big fan of uh I follow wrestling basically just as much as I follow uh, grappling. and Freestyle wrestling has the push-out rule, and it has changed it so much compared to folk style where, I mean, everybody always says, like, oh, if you do this, it's just going to turn into sumo, but that's not it's not, it's not going to happen. Uh, it just keeps guys from playing the edge. You know, like, uh, yeah. you, you obviously you can't really do it in ADCC because they'll just let you fight onto the concrete. But, like, for instance, IBJJF <laughs> tournaments, you see it all the time where guys will mm-hmm. get up, uh, you could look at the Jack Ray match, a, a good example, where where Hodger broke Ray's arm, and then Ray basically... Yeah, knew it danced I, around if, the edge, right? If I stay on the edge, Hadjur can only get an advantage by taking me down, right?
1: And you see, you see that every single term. Yeah, I mean, all these guys do it. Yeah. And my response to the sumo argument that always comes up is like, we can pull guard in this game. You don't, yeah. you don't have to push each other, but if you want to play the boundary, I think there should be some stringent penalties. And the push-out rule would change the, the momentum i yeah. think a lot um, Guy,
2: guys are good at it too it's like at a high level like it's not that obvious always as, as like somebody running around by the edge like they, they can just be on top passing guard and think like i'm gonna take this action over this way that way if i get swept it's just an event or how many takedowns go out of bounds yeah, like yeah. you know yeah absolutely shake yeah shake uh the the ref says come and you just back up straight to the edge basically <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Craig? yeah do you like i hate push that. out
0: I think, yeah, I think a push-out rule, and I even think something like, right, um, especially I used to find this in um, <clears throat> IBJJF events, right? So maybe maybe one guy sweeps and, or maybe one guy gets a takedown, right? Um, if that person that secured the takedown allows the bottom player to stand back up freely, then maybe for a certain time period, we shouldn't reward him for getting another takedown. So then the guy on bottom that's pursuing... The person that just scored on him can freely chase them down to cause some action. Yeah, that's cool. I like that idea too.
2: So you're saying if, if I take you down and then I let you stand back up, it doesn't count?
0: No, no, no. As in, say, say you shoot a double on me, take me down, and then you're playing around my feet and you allow me to stand back up. Yeah. If you shoot, if you take me down again, or maybe reverse me off my takedown, we're not going to reward you again for putting me back so quickly, exactly where I was. And that would mean that, say, if I just got taken down and you were being evasive, I could get up and chase you down with less risk.
2: I like it. Yeah. Anything to force more action. I think just there needs, of... needs to be more uh evolution like because you know, people are always gonna uh game the system somehow, and if you don't change it, then they just they're just gonna keep doing it. So you gotta you gotta adjust somehow. I love the I love the idea of a push out rule. I like in uh You guys should do it. Yeah. I like something in uh and that freestyle wrestling does. That's interesting. Where they, their uh, criteria, instead of having an overtime like we do in uh, wrestling in, in uh, college in the states, uh, they have their criteria. Goes the first criteria is uh, last person to score. Yes,
0: so, that would be that would be very cool as dude, well.
2: It's cool because it's like there's always somebody losing. If if the match is four four with a minute left, somebody's losing that match, and they've got they've got to push the action to try and win. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It really. Uh, Really changes the dynamic and makes it more exciting. Yeah, what
0: other for rules sure. Would you want to see you guys, change, Craig? Well, actually, you know what would be you know would be a fun event to do right is uh, there's a lot of talk about in uh, jiu-jitsu, who's the best wrestler. Mm. If we did a, a wrestling event with just jiu-jitsu guys to see who really is,
2: that would be the it, best, best fun actually. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, I love it. I love it. A freestyle it? wrestling tournament with just jiu-jitsu guys.
0: <laughs> and, and then we could get flow wrestling. To commentate and laugh at us
1: oh god <laughs> <laughs> I mean it would be definitely entertaining
2: I, <laughs> who, who do you think some of the contenders are in that thing
0: I mean uh, obviously I think I think Gordon would do very well obviously Yuri Samos has uh, has got some pretty nice takedowns but I mean I honestly think it could be it could be someone we don't expect it could be someone like Mason Fowler you know what mm-hmm. I mean I think it will be something fun to do fun to put forth are you are do, you going to do, you, gonna do you guys think good that
1: i like jt at 77 well, well it depends
2: who you let in there i mean are you gonna let a guy in like rustam who basically is just a wrestler <laughs> like uh
0: no yeah. keep that guy away from me <laughs> uh are you gonna enter this thing oh for sure i would enter it yeah who
2: who would win between you and lachlan lachlan we've seen pictures lachlan uh did a he did a, he put some adidas uh wrestling shoes on and a singlet did a tournament who, who who's a better wrestler you or lachlan
0: Oh, Lachlan's probably technically better, but I think the the size advantage plays a plays a big factor there.
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, Nicky Rods. another. you got to disqualify Nicky Rod from this tournament. <laughs>
0: uh, oh, he's out. He's out.
2: He's yeah. Uh, man, this is interesting.
0: What do you guys? You guys should do it. You guys should line up the ADCC divisions and do a poll. Let's see who you thinks the best, and maybe we could make a bracket. So, JT Torres would be pretty damn dangerous.
2: JT Torres, I mean, I don't think Galvao would do it, but Galvao would be pretty good.
1: Uh, I Like Dante, what about Dante in there? He's kind of a fun guy in the mix. Oh, yeah.
0: Mateus Denise, Dante your, your, your arch nemesis. We'll Hudson, Hudson Taylor can stay out of this as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: for sure, for sure. Hulk, Hulk's a good, good guy to get moving in there.
2: Yeah, and... Uh, that well, would be it, good, yeah. The re- yeah, I mean, I think something something would change up too because wrestling changes when you like what G- GSP talked about in the, in the last thing. He's like, when you change the rules, it's different. Like GSP's like, man, I was losing and re- I was beating guys wrestling in MMA that I wouldn't have beaten real wrestling if it was wrestling rules. So yeah, if you could just stay in a wrestling stance and everything. Alright, we gotta do this. Good good idea, Craig. We're gonna make you the Dana White of our new uh, Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> wrestling league. Now, he, I, he's a yeah, that's good. guy knows nothing about
0: wrestling in
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The uh, so one the final clip that I had pulled was uh, a Grapplefest one uh from Liverpool. It's Ewan Wardzinski. Talk about this one a little oh, bit. How, right. you, how you like competing in uh in England?
0: I like it, man. I like uh Liverpool as well. London feels like obviously just feels a lot like most big cities, right? But Liverpool feels I don't know, feels like the true English scouser. It's a crazy place. <laughs> The, the, what is it? In Liverpool, the women have uh, thick eyebrows and the guys have impeccable sweatsuits. <laughs>
2: they got nice sweatsuits there?
0: <laughs> yeah, they got top-to-bottom matching. Probably some of the best sneakers. Bro, I didn't sneakers know about that. Sneakers in the that. game. Interesting. I'm have to yeah, yeah check Liverpool's out a fun Liverpool. place. It's like tracksuits. Chris, Chris Thompson, actually, who runs this event, he moved to Spain recently. But Spain's like under some of the most strict lockdown laws along the wo- around the world right now. So he's... Uh, Completely locked in his house.
1: Oh man, that's gonna be tough. It's rough.
0: You right, had some success so Adam You uh, you won a couple of yeah, matches there. I do, yeah, I, actually, I'm undefeated in England of all places, there the uh, the motherland before my ancestors <laughs> were deported on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Adam Ludinsky, he's got he's got a great head of hair.
1: He does, man. I'm a big fan of his mustache as well is pretty primal. It's,
0: oh, awesome. it's, it's it's crazy. You know who he looks like? He looks like um, Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse, <laughs> or, uh, or Point Break, Bodie from Point Break. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> he looks like Lemmy from Motorhead to me. That's that's the vibe I get. That's true,
0: guys. I'm almost that's three true. hours
2: in. The, I'm almost three hours in the podcast. I'm gonna run to the bathroom real quick. You guys watch this. One All right, together. yeah, we'll, right. we'll, we'll
0: take right. it from here. Um, Adam Budiski was actually much taller than I expected. Uh,
1: yeah, he's not a small guy when was this remind me when this went down
0: this was uh, my first match after ADCC I believe so maybe September so he, yeah there's the that was the first plan I was like let's hit a uh, let's hit a back step either we're gonna hit it cause he's probably less experienced in the heel hook department or if I miss it it's gonna set something up later and uh, what it allowed me to do was set up the uh, reverse sorry set up the uh, Kimura trap it's mm-hmm. basically similar to what happened in the uh in the text match that his, his sit up guard led right into it but yeah again I love this rule set where it's just like you can just go for it guys just go after each other there's no too much fear about losing points and stuff
1: yeah it really is up to the athletes to make it work but it, it can result in epic matches where guys you know let it hang out a bit more than usual Adam's definitely game I feel like he's He's not holding on to some kind of record or something like that. Um, there's, there's that move you have. Oh, for that, sure. So sick right there. You know really nice.
0: You know a, a man with hair like that is ready to, <laughs> ready to throw down.
1: He's already won. He's like, look at my hair compared to yours. No, nothing, can, nothing can harm me out here. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously the first time I went for the uh, back step, the second time he was anticipating maybe another backstep, and I switched it up to the upper body and then we're able to secure, secure the reverse triangle, get up on my elbow there just to get a bit more leverage, because those can be pretty tricky to finish. Obviously, Browlio being the uh, expert.
1: Have you been finding much success in the training room getting those? A lot of people use them for, for sweeps even. You, know, you don't see a lot of finishes at the highest level with that. Um, is that something you bust out a lot in the training room?
0: Yeah, especially if I hit a Kimura trap and my uh, training partner doesn't sit up, or my opponent doesn't sit up. If they keep their back sealed to the floor, then I'll start looking for a, uh, a reverse triangle. If they sit up, just I'll just take take the back.
2: Nice. Feeling a bit lighter there, Mike? I'm back. I'm out of breath. Uh, our, <laughs> our, our, our bathroom's
1: like 300 <laughs> feet away. I just sprinted there and back. That's quick, man. That's very fast.
0: We're still talking about Wodinski's hair.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it deserves a whole segment. Dude,
2: right? I got an epic uh, photo of him at ADCC at the weigh-ins. Remember how they had all those like neon lights going and stuff uh, before? <laughs> I had this photo of Wodinski oh, yeah? with his
1: wavy hair, and he he. Had, he had a good mustache he had a mustache yeah,
2: going yeah. he had the wavy hair and there's like I don't, it looks like he's just at a rock concert or something <laughs> so I
0: got yeah. a true renaissance
1: man yeah <laughs> he followed the kiss around the European tour he I goes remember. on tour with Kiss. Yeah, yeah he yeah. Just follows him around Europe it's the coolest thing I've ever seen <laughs>
2: yeah oh, wow teaching, he's an interesting stuff. guy yeah he is I love his post about uh, all the metal he like, collects metal albums and stuff alright Craig so we got this thing that we do Started a new uh, yep. routine since the last time you were here. The person that was on the show the day before gives a question to the person today. So yesterday we Uh-oh. had Gabby Garcia was on here yesterday. If, uh, <laughs> yep. if uh, Gabby, if you want, it's, it's a question about your match with Vinny. So if you want to play, I need that, to get a up. question from you for Craig Jones for next time if you can think of something to ask him.
1: Mm. Uh, I meet Craig Jones. He, I, I trained him here um, before. And I need to know like um what's uh his game plan before he fight uh, he fight against Vinny Magalhães. Uh, what's the his game
0: plan for this fight for he be Vinny Magalhães? All right. There you go. How I you mean, me? I'm not <laughs> I'm not too specific with the game plans. That's not because I'm keeping secrets. Just uh just a general approach, but I'm just we only got 5 minutes to work. So I'm planning to just go out there, go after him. And uh, he says leg locks don't work. Well, I mean, I'm not going to attack his legs necessarily just because he says that. But, I mean, if it's there, I'm going to I'm gonna go after it. But, I mean, I'm anticipating it to go to o- EBI overtime. The and then we're going to have a, a tough battle from there.
1: I think it's a, a fair assessment. Vinny's a tough opponent, a lot of experience with uh, a
0: great credential. Do you but
2: feel comfortable with him in the EBI overtime? How do you think you've you met
0: Yeah. It? Yeah, for sure. I feel pretty good. I mean, uh, Gary was able to beat him at one of the EBI's in the EV- EBI overtime rounds, and uh, obviously Gary being significantly smaller, Gary's definitely much better in the overtimes with me. But in the sense, I'm in the in the right hands to prepare for Vinny's skill set.
2: How do you? Uh, how much time do you spend? Do you like uh, drill that a lot? That position going into a match like this, like getting ready for the EBI overtime positions.
0: Yeah, for sure. So we usually do our. We do three or four regular uh consistent positional rounds then we'll do two or three um regular training rounds and then when someone is preparing for EBI then we throw in those overtime rounds at the end so it's additional training so mm-hmm. it sort of replicates what it's going to be like for a EBI overtime usually you're going into that very very fatigued i mean especially a traditional EBI is going to be a 10 minute match and then the overtime so it's good to train at the end of training because it uh i guess it's going to be like just like the match you're already exhausted Maybe even thinking, I regret this decision. <laughs> I Are wish there were points.
2: <laughs> Are you a back control guy or an arm lock guy to, for your starting position for EBI, Rolls? Or do you mix it I up? mean,
0: for, sh- for sure, a back control guy, because as you saw against uh, Gordon Ryan that time, sometimes the arm just doesn't break. <laughs> sometimes they just don't tap. Yeah, Vinny. And Vinny, obviously, is more of the same. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. You don't want to start with the arm lock against Vinny, because he's just not going to tap. Uh, so that leads us up to uh, our qu- We need to get a question from you For our guest tomorrow Who is Robert Drysdale
0: Oh A good question for Robert Drysdale I'm trying to think I'm trying to think I did train with Robert Drysdale back in the day Actually I used to pop in to Vegas And train with him
1: hey, what, what, Did you ever get to
0: go around with him? How's that?
2: Was this like your purple belt tour uh, days?
0: actually never i never trained with him personally actually i'm trying to think of a good question a a question that might trigger him or something (laughs) who who is the greatest american adcc champion in history
2: all right great question there we go i think he'll like that too he's he's uh really into jiu-jitsu history and stuff commentates adcc for us great question all right, uh, Craig, so what else you got going on? Uh, We've got a few minutes left. You got any other uh, plans coming up after submission underground? What do you got going on?
0: Nothing. I mean, maybe, maybe Chael does another event. I think he's probably looking to pump him out during this quarantine time because there's, there's zero live sports on television. But actually, you know what you know would be interesting looking forward to the future is uh, a rematch and uh, it's a match I had at 86C. It was a pretty close match. And uh, we had a real back and forth battle. And he actually wasn't at the last 86C because of a, I believe, a wrist injury. But something looking ahead to the future, I would love to have a, another match with Shanji.
1: Cool. Hell yeah. I, like, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's Dude. interesting.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, San- well,
1: Shanji's a legend. but it's a uh, badass match. What yeah. do you see in that match? What are you looking to explore, or test yourself with?
0: Um,. I mean, just in terms of do- just doing the match again, we had a very close match. you uh, played on the conservative side in that match because I think, obviously, it was, I was an unknown at that event. So we played conservatively and did what he had to do to win. But in a sense, it's another guy that has been submitted very, very few times. And it's a guy that's like, uh, he's aging very well, but he's probably coming to the end of his career. He's had such a long career. So I would love... To test myself against him, especially before uh, his career is over, over. obviously, I know he's planning to do the next ADCC. These matches are scary too. For um, when you take a match against a guy like shanchi because you if, once you lose, you might not get the rematch. You know what I mean? Mm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a badass dude. His uh, ADCC twenty seventeen performance, well, he was the my, he was my favorite guy there. He had those two close guard arm locks. He had a close match with Gordon. He had that war with Buchecha.
1: Yeah, that match is legendary,
0: perception yeah, man. That- that Bichesha match, yeah, you guys have that up on YouTube for free. That's a that's an epic match. He, ga- he gassed Bichesha out. <laughs> heavy. He gave him a go. He gave him a go. That's he, for sure.
2: He said on the, he he was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He said he's doing ADCC twenty twenty one.
0: Wow, that'd be unbelievable. Shanji as well is uh, he he puts away some beers after the event at a very aggressive uh, pace.
1: <laughs> the man has <laughs> has a good time and a taste for ice cream and desserts after what, those beers. What, let me tell that's you. part of the fun of ADCC. <laughs>
0: What did he? What did he tell me at the last ADCC? He told me that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a few beers deep. He, he told me that he Gordon Ryan stole his walk. <laughs> stole his walk? How he str- uh, How he struts out to the center of the map before a uh, match. He said Gordon Ryan stole that from him.
1: <laughs> I gotta. I gotta Shandy's find a, a legend. <laughs> Time to do a deep dive analysis on the walkout. What if he's right? What you if, guys what can if do we it did... side by side. Yeah, yeah. that's deep. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That's we gotta check it out.
2: It's going deep. Gordon, Gordon stole Shonji's walk. I gotta ask him about that next time he comes on. We gotta get,
1: get him out of here talking about that. Uh, wasn't his sign off to Gordon saying that Daddy's coming? Yeah, wasn't that what Shanti his message to Gordon? He told oh. us uh,
2: when he was on here like the last thing he said. He's like,
0: tell Gordon that Daddy's coming back or something <laughs> something like that. Daddy's coming back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know what it means because Gordon's. Gordon's in the super fight so Shanji has to win absolute Gordon has to beat now. so he, he ain't going nowhere till 2023
1: <laughs> just putting the vibe out just putting the vibe out uh, Craig I think that uh, just about takes us up to the end here uh, if you want to close the show out with some comments to fans and friends watching at home this is uh, your chance to do so
0: uh, well, man I mean I just hope everyone stays strong and still loves jujitsu by the time this, uh, this quarantine ends
1: Yes, it, honestly, I've I've I'm over the hump. I was dying for for the first three or four weeks of not training, and now I'm kind of accepting my new sedentary lifestyle. I'm about to
2: go underground. <laughs> I'm about to join the underground and start training. I locate people with you, with you guys not training at all. I'm training like once a week with Reed. I'm <laughs> lifting weights. Yeah, lifting weights, doing yoga in my living room. But I just I just located somebody with uh, mats at their house. I'm about to start getting it in. Oh but shit. I'm, but we're we're busy though too, man. I'm working more now than I was before the shutdown. <laughs> I'm hosting eight of these That's shows true. a week, That's and I'm true. still writing articles and doing going to meetings and shit. So it's like, yeah, I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I hope get they're paying
0: on. you overtime.
1: Hey, we're still getting paid.
2: Yeah, which yeah. Is better than
0: still many getting out paid there, is enough so. right now. That's yeah. true.
2: But uh, all right, well, we have a, a crazy uh, lineup coming up. We got tomorrow, Drysdale Thursday. One that you need to tune in for, Craig, is Wiley Dismail is coming on the show. So classic. Oh
0: shit! <laughs>
1: yeah. I have no idea. To idea that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm very excited. We got
2: drives out tomorrow. Wally Dismal uh, Thursday. Gordon uh, is bringing uh, Mario Lopez on his show. So we got Mario Lopez coming on the King. Gar- oh wow! Gordon Ryan show. Friday is Lovato, and then next week, one yeah. I'm really looking forward to next week is next Wednesday. We have uh, Eddie Bravo and Marcelo Garcia coming on together. That's gonna so, be a wild so that show. That should be pretty crazy. Absolutely. But uh, Craig, thank you so much for calling in. Stay safe. Thank safe you, Wait, guys.
0: You guys need to ask if Eddie's bringing back the real EBI. Do that for me, please. But thank you. <laughs> thank we right. We'll send him the message. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Play this, we'll
2: play this clip for him. Thank you very much, Craig. <laughs> thanks for calling. It take it easy,
1: buddy. We'll talk to you again See soon. Hey guys. Sure. Hey
2: Craig, sorry about all the difficulties in the beginning, man. It was funny. See you when, later, Craig. When uh, who is that? Uh, Grover. Hey, uh, yeah, sorry about the miscommunication,
0: dude.